When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We've got a special edition today with Lance Reisland, who does a lot of film work for our site. He's going to walk us through the Browns' 2022 draft picks, tell us what they do well, uh, what they need to improve on, what their roles could be this year. And then at the very end, he's going to talk a little Nick Harris, because he did a lot of work on Nick Harris and he believes that Harris can be the guy at center and he's going to explain to me why. So that's coming up on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Now, if you're not a Football Insider subscriber, maybe you've missed out on some of Lance's stuff. Uh, if you want to get access to those exclusive stories uh, that pop up there, go to cleveland.com slash browns, click the blue banner at the top of the page, get info and get signed up. You'll also get a newsletter delivered to your inbox every day and also have an opportunity to become one of our text subscribers. So again, it's cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page, get info, get signed up. Okay, here we go. Lance Reisland on the Browns 2022 draft picks. Here we go with Lance Reisland. We are going to go through the Browns draft picks and some of the film work that you have done on them, Lance. And then at the very end, uh, stay tuned. I want to talk to you a little bit about Nick Harris, but let's just get right into this. We're going to go through these picks in order. And I want to start with Martin Emerson. And I'm actually really excited uh, that, that we're starting with him because he is a really fascinating prospect to me. Um, obviously, a third round pick, you know, not a guy that was thought of as, as like a top corner. But his length is really intrigued. There's just, just so much here that I'm really intrigued about. So um, I, I just, with each of these picks, I'm going to ask you one thing that stands out, one concern, and then we can get into some more general stuff with them if there's more there. But what's one thing that stands out to you with Martin Emerson? Well, obviously you said it, it's his length. And uh, in the Brown scheme, his length, you know, he's six foot two. He's got 33 and a half inch arms. He's got a wingspan of over, you know, six, seven and what that does, that gives them an advantage in press coverage when they're in man. And then that range gives them such a window where he can cover in their zone, their two-shell zone look. Uh, he's very physical. Uh, he played in the SEC. And him, along with a lot of the other picks, they, the Browns have acquired a roster or, or made a roster where he can come in and contribute, but doesn't have to be the guy. And, you know, what I really like about him in terms of, uh, of his physical, going on his physical, is that not only is he long, but he plays the run and he played in the SEC. And there's a lot to be said about playing in those, those, those power five conferences where you're seeing really, really good people each and every week. Yeah, I, I think. And that was one of the things he said when we talked to him during a, a rookie minicamp, I think, you know, I mean, he went against guys like George Pickens and mm-hmm. uh, I mean, he went against these elite level receivers every single week. So there shouldn't be too much of a shock when he has to go out there you know, I, I don't know that he gets matched up with Jamar Chase this year, but if he does, I mean, it shouldn't mm-hmm. be too much of a shock for him. 
Yeah, and you know, and a lot of it has to do with confidence. And you know, I don't know. The Browns seem to do a good job, and most secondary uh, guys do a good job. Defensive coordinators of not putting their guys in bad situations and not setting them up for failure. And I think early on, obviously covering those guys in the NFL, those crafty guys have been around, even uh, or those elite athletes to the to the chase types. Um, you know, you expect them to get safety help. Um, you expect him to get um, to be in a position where he's not alone by himself. Uh, but yeah, I don't think he'll be shocked. I don't think he'll, um, you know, play in the SEC. He's seen speed. He's seen, um, you know, pro style offenses. He's seen no huddle. He's seen that. He's seen everything. So he should be, he should be very uh, well versed uh, in his rookie season. What What does his length do? Um, you know, on the outside, I th- I think people can kind of see what it does. But let's say the Browns put him in the slot. Do Do you see an advantage there to having that kind of length in the slot? You know, maybe not every down, but if they just throw him out there against a tight end or or somebody like that. Well, yeah, his length gives him, you know, obviously he can get his hands on people quicker being long. Um, that's important. Uh, if he's in a zone coverage, whether he's inside or outside, he can cover a large area. That wingspan, he can cover, um, you know, if you watch him on film a lot of times, he catches up a lot. That's why he doesn't have a ton of interceptions in, in college. But he, his length, um, not only is he long, but he's also physical. So he can get his hands on uh, big tight ends. Uh, he can get his hands on uh, – uh, receivers in the slot in terms of rerouting them and getting them off track. Um, so that length kind of just makes them uh, uh, you know, hard to um, deal with in terms of getting to your spot uh, as an offensive guy. And once again, like I said, he's physical. So if he's, in the, if he's in the slot, he's already in the box. He's already ready to make plays in the box tackling. So I think not as his length, but his, uh, his, his willingness and, and ability to tackle as well. So what, what is one concern when you've watched him? What's one thing that, that maybe you're a little worried about? Well, there's, there's two major concerns. One in the NFL, he doesn't have, a, he only had one interception in three years at Mississippi state. So that's a concern in terms of um, getting the ball is important. And, you know, teams that win the turnover battle win 70% of the time. So you have to win the turnover battle um, at, at all levels. You have to win the turnover battle. So that's a little um, worrisome at times. He's a little bit handsy at, at top of routes uh, because of his physicality, because of his length. Uh, he gets a little bit uh, handsy, which in the NFL is not good, and will get called a bunch. Um, but once again, I think that'll come with technique. Um, you know, for all these guys, they're the best players on their team, and they get away with stuff. And in the NFL, you don't get away with stuff. So obviously, he, if he's willing to learn, I think, uh, you know, I think he, the interceptions will come. Because if you see on film, uh, he catches up so much, and his length helps him catch up and, and get there to knock the ball away, where in the NFL, I think he'll get there and, and get some interceptions. But my major concern would be his lack of, uh, lack of, lack of INTs. So um, when you look at how the Browns are going to do this, it appears that they're, you know, they have a few options in the slot. Uh, you know, we even saw Denzel Ward playing a little slot during the spring. Um, but one of their options, and they did this during the season last year, was, you know, have Greg Newsom play outside. And then when teams bring out three receivers, four receivers, they move Greg Newsom inside and Greedy Williams comes in outside. Do you think Martin Emerson could compete right away with Greedy Williams, though, to maybe be that third corner, that third outside corner? Because that guy is going to play. Well, you know, it's it's funny because Greedy Williams is not super physical. That's not one of his uh, things he likes. He's not a super physical guy in the run game, uh, but he can cover. And, uh, you know, it's it's kind of depends on uh, what what the defensive coordinator uh, wants uh, on each individual team. But, yeah, I think he can come in and compete. Uh, I like those big body guys in the slot. Greg Newsom's a guy who doesn't mind contact. Um, uh, obviously, uh, Emerson will be a guy who can compete in there. I think he would be um, – I think he'd be a better fit in the slot um, t- 
to be honest with you, in terms of when they go to nickel, uh, I think once again, he's playing the SEC, so we can cover. Uh, and, you know, if he was outside, I'd like to see him with a little bit of safety help over top, especially early on as he's learning. Um, if you're a Browns fan, that would be that would be something that I would like to see. Um, but, yeah, I think he can compete inside and outside. Uh, he runs really well. Again, when you talk about what length does, length, you know, makes up for, you know, lack of raw speed um, because you get, you know, you don't have to cover as much ground. Um, but, yeah, I think he uh, I think he can compete both inside and outside. I think he will. You know, that's what the Browns have created on their roster is they've created great competition at so many spots. Okay, let's move on to their second pick. It was the 78th pick overall, uh, their second of three third-round picks, and that's Alex Wright, um, who I I almost feel like he's become a forgotten man in in this kind of group of picks. We talk about Martin Emerson a lot. Obviously, we talk about David Bell a lot, but Alex Wright is a guy who could make an impact pretty early. He's he's 6'7", 270, um, out of UAB, seems like he can play inside and outside he just seems like the type of end that they like so give me something that stands out to you about Alex Wright oh like you said he's well, he's he's a massive human and he, <laughs> he really is just watch him on film he's just a big guy um he's 21 years old um he's got an incredible upside I think what I like about him is the fact that they signed Clowney and so for the Browns they have a guy who along with Thomas they have a guy that they can develop and what we really get excited about is that he doesn't, he, he's not, he doesn't have a, a plethora of moves. He's not super, uh, he, you know, he doesn't anchor real well in the run game yet. Um, but the things that he lacks, you can teach. The things that you can't teach, he has. So he's, he's extremely massive. He, um, he's very violent with his hands. Um, once again, he, he's, uh, he's 21 years old, so he's only going to get better. He's only going to get bigger. Um, but, yeah, I would say his, his age, his size, his potential – and the fact that the Browns created a roster where he can come in again, another guy that doesn't have to be the guy. He can just be a guy that, um, that contributes. And uh, like a lot of these guys, he can be a guy that uh, helps in the past, you know, pass rush in, in certain schemes and certain uh, personnel groups. Can he play on the inside consistently? This, that's something they did with Tack McKinley a little bit last year, where they, where they would move him inside on passing downs. Can he do that? Well, yeah, because you're not going to get, you know, obviously in the passing downs, you're not getting double teams. You're not getting that, yeah, the big, those big tackles and guards double teaming you as much. Um, he is very good with his hands, which is uh, always good when taking on doubles. Uh, I think those will be things he has to work on. Uh, when you watch him on film, he just wins regardless uh, against BYU, for example. I remember him playing those uh, big guys at BYU. He just wins a lot of his one-on-one matchups because he's just a big athlete. And he's hard to block and he's hard to get, uh, hard to, uh, you know, offensive guys have trouble getting their hands on him. So those are things as he gets to the NFL, those guys in the NFL will be able to block him and he's going to have to learn some more things. But yeah, I think uh, with his size and with his only being 21 years old, I think he's going to grow. Um, and I think he can be an inside, you know, inside outside guy, depending on, you know, what uh, scheme they're going against and, and uh, you know, down in distance, of course. So what, what concerns do you have? What, what stood out to you as far as um, so, some areas of concern? Well, my areas of concern are, are would be, first of all, if they didn't resign Clowney, uh, I think he would have been pressed into more uh, having to play more. And I was my big concern is, just, is that he just seems really raw. He just really seems like a big athlete who has a great upside. He has a, a great ceiling. Um, so I think you know, the idea that he... Um, just needs a lot of work. He's a developmental guy along with Thomas, the other guy. And he just needs, a, he just needs um, time to work uh, on a pass rush plan. 
uh, time to work on what he's going to see in the NFL in terms of schemes and how offensive linemen are going to block him. And, um, you know, these guys are all doing it for a living now, so they're all really good at it. So I think it just comes, my main concern would be uh, is if, they, if he was pressed into uh, action right away, uh, again, with the Browns roster, he should be able to develop uh, at a pretty good pace and at his own pace. Yeah, that's that's something I've always liked about Andrew Barry's approach is that willingness to to kind of double up in free agency and then in the draft. This obviously went a little bit backwards because it, it took so long for Clowney to to eventually resign, but mm-hmm. it felt like that was always kind of in the bag. What what about that step up in competition? Um, you know, that's always it, something I think people circle when you have a guy from UAB going to the NFL. Well, that's why, you know, the one the game that I really liked watching was the BYU game, because BYU plays, you know, regardless of where they're at, they play high-level teams and high-level uh, people all the time, and he was really good. Um, those guys, the drop-off, I always tell everybody, the drop-off a lot of times between Power 5 and the group of five is not necessarily the starters. It's the backups. Um, guys who play at that level uh, all do it for a living. The coaches all get paid for it, and they get paid to win. So for me, it's not it's not as much um, of a concern uh, it is, as it is for some because, oh, they're like, oh, he's from UAB. Well, the guys at UAB, the first the starters at UAB, there's not a ton of difference between them and other schools. Obviously, there's some schools that are better than everybody, but it's the backups at those schools. You know, you get Ohio State and, and Alabama in these places. They're ones, they're twos, they're threes. They're all the same people. They're all the same size. They're all the same ability. Whereas some of the smaller schools, they're when when the one's not in there, when the starter's not in there, there's a big drop off. Um, so I, that doesn't concern me as much um, because, I, you know, like I said, those first level guys are all pretty good at that level. OK, we're going to move on to David Bell. And I'm going to ask you the same question I've asked about all these guys. What stands out to you? But I'm going to make a rule here. You're not allowed to say his hands. OK, everybody's talking about David Bell's hands. He, he admitted to us that he only dropped one pass. Uh, during uh, the the offseason program. And it was a day when we weren't even out there. He didn't even have to admit it. Yeah. So what stands out to you about David Bell besides his hands? Well, for me, it's production. And uh, everybody talks about, you're going to ask about a concern. Everybody talks about his speed. But mm-hmm. for me, it's all it's all with David Bell, it's production. And he played in the Big Ten and had 232 catches for 3,000 yards. And <laughs> so his ability to get open, um, what I really like about him is his um, – is spatial awareness and his body control. So a lot of times he's able to get open um, because he, he's really crafty. He knows what defenses are trying to do to him. Uh, he knows the difference between zone and man and where, where to attack people. And it kind of goes into like, he's only getting a better working with Amari Cooper because I really like our uh, Amari Cooper tax angles and people's hips and blind spots and things like that. Uh, but yeah, he catches the ball well, but for me, that's not his number one trait. For me, it's his production um, at a high level and his ability to make catches and be aware of what he seems very knowledgeable in terms of zone and man. Um, they play in the Big Ten. Uh, again, you know, talk about SEC, but Big Ten, another uh, another Power Five uh, conference that plays really good football, and uh, he dominated. So, uh, yeah, I think he's going to be very successful. Yeah, the, the production part of it, it, it felt like after they picked him, it, we all should have seen it coming. This was a guy with three years, still very young, but three mm-hmm. years of really high production. And that has just been something that we've seen in Andrew Barry draft picks over the years. So you mentioned the speed. Is that your concern with him or is that just not, are we making too big a deal of that? Uh, I think it's, you know, I've always said guys are, and this is the coach in me, but I've always said guys <laughs> are football fast. And he carries his pad very well. So does uh, Ford uh, from Cincinnati, but he carries his pads very well. And there's not a lot, there's, there, some guys are really track fast. 
and some guys are football fast. And for me, David Bell, when you watch him on film, he's football fast. Um, he's playing against, he's playing against guys that have run faster forties than him, but he's separating and he separates with his, uh, his spatial awareness, his body control. He understands where he's supposed to be on the field. Uh, he's very quarterback friendly in terms of giving them sideline to throw or finding windows and sitting in windows. So, yeah, I do think it's overrated because, um, and that's low, not running, you know, he's not, he's not a, a truck. He's just not that elite speed that everybody just loves. Um, but what he is, he's a football player. And I'm a big, huge believer in uh, a football player. And obviously at that level, just like when he went to Purdue, you have to have the ability to do things. There's a BCS body and a, a BCS um, like level of ability that you have to have. That's for sure. But sometimes guys are just really good football players. And if you watch him on film, he's just a really, really good football player. So what, what does he need to do better than what would you consider a concern? Well, one thing I think he needs to do is that he needs to um, he needs to be a willing blocker um, in terms of, you know, so much in, in college right now in NFL as well as RPOs. So he's almost always running around at Purdue. Um, he's going to be a willing blocker in, in the run game, you know, especially with the Browns when they get in you know, uh, the two tight end sets and things like that. So I think more of a willing blocker. Um, there are times on film where he doesn't catch with his hands. There are times on film where he does catch with his body. So um, again, he has to be a more of a consistent hand catcher in terms of uh, catching the ball away from your body also takes away some of the, uh, um, the lack of speed because he's getting to the ball quicker. So, um, you know, even though he does have great hands and I heard that all the time, one of the, one of the you know, small concerns I have is that sometimes he lets the ball get into his body. Um, so he's got to get, he's always got to catch the ball out in front of him. That'll help him for sure. What do you think he is at the NFL level? Um, you know, one of our key question posts that I did earlier this week was, can he replace Jarvis Landry? And, you know, the answer for me was, I, I think you replace Jarvis Landry almost by committee on this roster. Mm -hmm. um, and I think he's part of that. But, but what is he at the NFL level? Is he like a Jarvis Landry type? Is he more of a Richard Higgins type somewhere in between? What do you see him as? Oh, I think he's, a, you know, that's one of the things I wrote about. I think one of the things that makes him so um, desirable as a pick is that he can play inside now. Uh, he's big enough where he can be that turn that I've heard a bunch uh, lately, that power, you know, that power slot uh, where they block a little bit more. They run the option routes against the tight ends and things of that nature. Uh, but he can also run the route tree outside. He can run those posts and comebacks and digs and, and, and things that in the NFL you do a lot of. So uh, I would say the thing that I really like is I don't know if he replaces Jarvis Landry, but he has a lot of that skill set in terms of being able to play uh, both inside and outside and run the, the route trees that are, you know, um, they're a little bit different for both inside and out. He can do both. Okay, let's move on to the first pick the Browns made in the fourth round, number 108 overall. And again, another guy that I think a lot of fans are very interested in. Uh, Perry on Winfrey, defensive tackle out of Oklahoma, made waves, of course, with his introductory press conference. But um, the thing with Winfrey, the impression that I got and the thing the Browns seemed to like about him was he can create pressure up the middle. Is that what you're seeing? Yes, uh, exactly. He brings... Um... Again, another young guy, uh, which seems to kind of be the uh, um, the mo of those young guys are drafting. He's a young guy with great upside. Uh, he has the ability to do, uh, to do a lot, but he's a ball of energy, and uh, you can see it in his interview. But if you watch him on film, uh, he plays the same way. He's a high level uh, energy guy. Um, you know, the things I liked about uh, him on film were in terms of he gets off. He's a one gap guy, which in terms of my concern for the Browns defense would be uh, they don't have a big anchor guy. 
but he kind of falls into the Taven Bryan where he can take a gap and he can blow a gap and he can uh, cause a lot of pressure upfield. Uh, you know, everybody talks about his 40, but I was more impressed with his 10 yard split, which was like a one, six, eight, which is like similar, like Jordan Davis and Brian, uh, the uh, Wyatt kid from uh, the kids out of Georgia. So he can, he's explosive off the ball in a small space, which is what you get from defensive linemen. They're not sprinting down the field too much, but you want that initial burst, which he has. Um, so, yeah, I think he can be, a, once again, I think he, now he's a little bit different than the other guys. He might be pressed. It seems like he might be pressed into a little bit more duty uh, than the young defensive ends they, uh, they uh, drafted. Yeah, it's, it seems like that opportunity is there if, if he's able to take it. So I want to ask you sort of a, a bigger picture question. Uh, because I, I brought this up on the pod a few times and I've heard, uh, you know, I listen to Chris Long's podcast a lot and he has, you know, defensive ends on all the time. And of course, you know, he was a great edge rusher. And one of the things, one of the points he's made is he always liked having a three technique next to him who could create pressure. And of course, you know, we talk a lot about how Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett help each other. Is it almost more important? for a, an edge rusher to have that three technique right next to him that can create pressure? Well, you know, it depends if you, like I said, scheme wise, the schemes are important to that too. If they're, you know, if they're in the wide nines and wide fives where they're, they're, you know, they're, they're down in those sprinter stands, I think, uh, yes, I think it would be important to have that three technique because you want that three technique to occupy that B gap. And that B gap means that guard's got to block him. And then that tackle is going to be one-on-one with the defensive end. Um, so, yeah, I think it's important. It, it's, it brings up a really good point. I think it would be more important in terms of uh, having that guy next to you in true pass rush situations. And, you know, in rundowns, I'd want a big guy. I want a big anchor in there and uh, take up those doubles and, and, and take all that stuff away from me. Because uh, you know that if you don't double a big anchor guy, he's going to make the play. Um, but if, you know, if you're not in those wide fives and, and wide nines, you know, like sometimes Browns do a little bit of everything, just like everybody in the NFL. Uh, you having the end on the other side, you know, uh, prevents certain slide protections that NFL teams like to run, uh, puts more emphasis on those guys inside to handle the, the blitzing backers because you've got to focus uh, on those two defensive ends. Um, but yeah, I think it would be, um, that's a really good point in terms of pressure, um, which because it's become a pass happy league. So yeah, I think if you've gotten the wide five and wide three or wide nine, if there's a tight end there, uh, yeah, it would be beneficial to have a, a, a pressure guy, a, a gap uh, a guy who just blows the gap for sure. So when you look at Winfrey, what does he need to improve on to actually get on the field and maybe be that week one starter? Well, you know, I, it's, it's the third down. The Browns have, uh, they kind of have a, um, this big body framed, whether to DNs or, uh, D tackles that are gap guys. Um, you know, even picking up Brian from the Jaguars, very explosive off the ball. I loved watching him on film. Uh, the thing that concerns me, uh, as, and just what this is just me as a head coach, is that they don't have the big anchor guy. And those guys are boring, and those guys uh, um, don't get a lot of press, but those guys are important. You know, and first and second down, when you're playing the Titans, you're going to get a heavy dose of power. You're going to get a heavy dose of inside zone. Um, and I don't know uh, if the Browns have that big, heavy anchor. So not just with Winfrey, but as a whole, they're defensive tackles who are very explosive and are going to cause a lot of uh, pressure. They don't have a lot of anchors, but there are people who believe in that blowing gaps, which can be beneficial as well, um, can cause havoc in the run game as well. But if I had a concern, it would just be that they don't have that big, you know, 330 guy who's just kind of a big plug in there. 
Um, but that's not just for Winfrey. That's for everybody. Yeah, that's for their whole, you know, that whole defensive room, defensive tackle room. Yeah, they, they seem to have focused more on length and athleticism, mm-hmm. kind of exactly. uh, just across that that whole group. All right, real quickly here, um, Cade York. Uh, I, I'm sure you haven't broken down just film of kick after kick after kick, but you did get a look at Cade York during the offseason program. And I think you came away, you know, we talked before I hit record here. I think you came away impressed uh, with what you saw the way a lot of us were. Well, the thing is, the thing that, this is just as a, a football coach and a football fan, <laughs> the way the ball sounds off his foot is different than anything I've ever heard. Now I understand, uh, you know, everybody has the, uh, well, we have to wait till the go to the stadium and the snow and the weather. And that's all very true. And that's all very, uh, um, very much uh, something that has to be taken into account. But the way that the ball explodes off his foot is something like rare, rarely do you watch a guy just kick and you can just sit here and watch him kick. He, the ball is just, the ball is just explodes off his foot. Okay, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll uh, run through these other draft picks and talk a little bit of Nick Harris. And back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, going through the Browns draft class with Lance uh, Reisland, who does film for us. Uh, you can find his post at cleveland.com slash Browns. And Lance, what, what is your Twitter? Where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, it's just at Lance Reisland um, on Twitter. Uh, it's, yeah, just L-A-N-C-E-R-E-I-S-L-A-N-D. All right, so find Lance on Twitter, too, to see all those posts that he does. Um, he's he's done all sorts of work on these draft picks, and, of course, not just the draft picks, but uh, the, the veterans as well. And like I said, we're going to talk Nick Harris a little bit later, too. So let's move on to Jerome Ford. You mentioned him a little bit earlier. Uh, what does Jerome Ford do well? Well, he kind of he gives you the uh, he gives you the hunt kind of impression when he runs the ball. He runs very hard, very heavy. Um, again, he. Uh, over 1300 yards 21 uh, 19 I believe 19 touchdowns in 2021 uh, he's got great burst and vision uh, I'm a big fan of Luke Fickle so I know he's going to be well coached in terms of uh, understanding how to read blocks and um, they're very multiple in terms of things they run uh, gap wise uh, zone wise inside outside zone and the gap runs uh, he's also a 10 600 guy in, in high school and 10 6 is fast so I like the fact that he's heavy um, a little not heavy, but stocky, um, and he's got he's a true home run hitter. He's a guy that went to Alabama as well. And do you, do you pay attention to that pedigree when you kind of at least initially look at these guys? Like, you know, he, um, he was he was that highly recruited guy. Sometimes you do. Uh, it can be. It is different because whether you're at Alabama or or, or smaller Division One school or even all college level. When those guys come in, those guys who are special early are really special because they're 18, 19 year old kids. And those, those guys who stay around a while are 22, 23 year old grown men. So sometimes it's, sometimes it's a little misleading, uh, but yeah, that just meant out of high school that everybody wanted. And at a high school, if you're going to Alabama, Ohio state, Michigan, the blue buds, you are, um, uh, everybody wants you. So there's something they saw. So yeah, there's something to be said about that, especially early on out of high school. So I, I think when a lot of people look at Ford and kind of where he fits, and of course we know Kareem Hunt is going into the final year of his contract. Um, don't, who knows if he'll be back long-term or not. How is Ford as a pass catcher? Can, can he do some of the things Kareem Hunt does in the passing game? Well, watching my film, he doesn't catch the ball a lot at Cincinnati, but I, um, it's, he doesn't fight the ball. And one of the things we always work about with, when I was coaching was not fighting the ball and, and talk about going back to like David Bell. Um, 
David Bell doesn't touch the ball. The ball just seems to stick in his hands. He's a, he's a hand catcher. The ball just kind of, uh, we used to say, pluck it out of the air, don't catch it. And uh, so he's a natural catcher of the football. He doesn't fight it. He's a pretty good athlete. So um, I think he can, um, when you watch him catch screens, when you watch him catch, uh, you know, he catches a couple routes out of the backfield, a couple air routes. They don't have, they don't have a massive uh, um, out of the backfield kind of uh, game at Cincinnati. But yeah, he looks like in terms of, a natural catcher, he can do those things. And, you know, like a lot of the guys we've talked about, he's not going to have that pressure on him right away because obviously the Browns have these two elite backs. They have, you know, whatever Demetric Felton is, they have Demetric Felton, they have Dearness Johnson. So he's going to be able to sort of work his way in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. All right, I, I do have to ask, this is a complete and total aside and, and people listening can't see this, but of course, Lance, you coached at Garfield Heights. You have the the uh, poster behind you. Uh, the 2014 uh, playoff qualifiers. Did you ever have to coach against Kareem Hunt? I did not. Um, <laughs> I did not. Yeah, I uh, lucky, lucky man. <laughs> yeah, no, there's no question. Uh, it, his uh, coach in high school's office corner is uh, Jeff Fox over at Nardonia. So I had right. the. Uh, so I know Jeff. Yeah, no, I never got to. Uh, I coached against some really good guys, um, <laughs> uh, but never Kareem Hunt. Thaddeus Gibson's the guy that okay. uh, everybody always asked me who was the toughest. Thaddeus Gibson was. Um, it wasn't fair. It was, uh, he was, he was something else going against him, but yeah, I've faced a lot of guys didn't thank goodness. I didn't have to face him for sure. Yeah. I remember watching Kareem Hunt at Willoughby South and there were games where he was, he had a, you know, two weeks worth of rushing yards and a half. So uh, he was, he was that that kind of player. All right, back on track here. Uh, let's move on to Michael Woods. Uh, again, another Oklahoma player, uh, sixth round pick. I don't want to say any of these guys are long shots to make the roster because the the Browns have certainly tended to keep their draft picks around, but Michael Woods, I think maybe a little bit of an unknown to Browns fans. So what, what does he do well? Well, he started in Arkansas um, and actually his film is seen. It's a, it's almost like he was learning the system at Oklahoma uh, because he's a little bit more explosive at Arkansas, I believe than he was at Oklahoma. He was uh, there's some things he does really, really well at, at, at Arkansas. I would say his number one quality is he's a, he's a long range athlete. Uh, he's 6'1", 210 pounds, 205 pounds. Uh, he's got pretty good catch radius. Uh, what I like about him is he tracks the ball very well, deep, deep balls uh, very well. Um, so that would be my, that would be like what I see from him, that what he can bring to us is, is the ability to, what he can bring to the Browns. I mean, he's, he can, he can, uh, he can go and uh, he can go get the ball when it's thrown deep. Uh- and I, I guess, what is his path onto this roster? What do you see his role as being with this football team? Well, you know, you look at it, and it was funny what you said. Uh, Scott said the same, Scott Pascal said the same thing about guys who, the Browns keep the guys they draft. And that was very interesting because I didn't really know that. And uh, so, obviously, if you're going to be the fifth or sixth receiver, depending on if they keep a slot or a kick returner or things like that, you better, first of all, you better be able to play special teams and you better, you better be able to cover kicks and you better be able to do those extra things. Um, but I think there's going to be a pretty heavy battle for that, that final spot, um, depending on what they do with Grant and is Grant a, just a special teams guy, or is he a guy that they want to use, uh, in the slot as well. Okay. Let's go ahead and move through these picks here. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, seventh round pick, uh, again, also out of Oklahoma, Kind of a fascinating guy, though, because, again, long, athletic, checks a lot of those boxes when we talk about edge rushers that this team has has picked. 
Yeah, you just said it. That would be, you know, picking, I think he's two, two, seventh round, 223. So I think that's, you know, for his his upside, I think that's exactly what you want, um, especially when you have a roster like the Browns do in terms of uh, depth at the DN position. He's another project. He's a full develop, developmental guy, but he has, like you said, he checks those bo- boxes for an NFL rush guy. And the boxes that he does not check, you can coach. So um, I think it's a, a pretty solid pick in the seventh round for sure. Uh, and then um, Dawson Deaton, uh, the offensive lineman out of Texas Tech, an interior O lineman, uh, guard center. I, I remember talking to you when you were out at minicamp, and I think you had mentioned that it was kind of tough to find some <laughs> some tape on Dawson Deaton. Mm-hmm. But what what did you find out about him? Well, he played for Sonny Cumbie, who is a uh, he's a traditional air raid guy. So uh, he's very good in pass protection. He's long. Uh, he kind of doesn't have the typical body that you would want for a center or people look for usually in a center, uh, which I think sometimes body types are a little bit over uh, overblown. Um, but he is, uh, he only, they only ran one run. They only ran a zone inside outside zone at, at uh, Texas tech. And that's the true air raid where uh, you're getting the ball out. Your run game is bubbles and quick screens and things like that. So um, he moves his feet very well in pass protection. He's uh, um, you know, I would be concerned that he's not real strong. You know, he only did 24 reps in the bench uh, at the combine. Um, or his pro day. I'm not sure which one, but I know he only did 24 reps. So I think he's going to have to increase his strength. Um, but he's pretty knowledgeable and he played in a, like I said, he played in a, uh, very pass happy offense. Um, he's very smart. He's a position guy, uh, seems to have control of the offense. You know, he had 35 starts at Texas tech. So he's a experienced guy for sure. Okay. So love these, these four guys we just talked about Jerome Ford, Michael Woods, Isaiah Thomas, and Dawson Deaton, uh, Woods, Thomas, and Deaton, all sixth and seventh round picks, four to fifth round pick. Who's the guy in that group that you kind of stop and say, oh, the Browns might have really gotten a steal here? Uh, I would say Ford. Um, I think Ford is really, really good. And I think that top end speed he has um, is really, really beneficial to him. I think he, if he can help on special teams early on while they're figuring out what they're doing with their backfield situation. But I think uh, his physicality, I worry about him only being 209 pounds because he runs really hard. So you worry about his uh, durability at times in terms of uh, he actually plays like he's a bigger guy. He's very, very physical. Uh, but I think he's I think he has a chance to be pretty good. He's uh, he's fast and he's uh, physical. And, and then just overall, uh, who was who your favorite pick of this draft? Did, did you have um, one? You know, I would. I'm going to be, uh, there's two, but if I had to pick That's one, fine. I'd say David Bell. I would okay. say David Bell. Um, I'm an Emerson fan too. I love his length, but I would say David Bell because I really think um, the speed, everybody talked about his speed and his lack of raw speed kind of took him where he, uh, where he, you know, where he went in third round. Um, but I watched a lot of receivers on film and he's as good as any of them in terms of getting open, creating separation and, and his ability to catch the ball. So uh, I think David Bell can be a really good football player uh, for that organization for sure. And like there's value as simple as it sounds, there's value in a guy just knowing where to be, being in the right spot and catching the football. And like just, just at its base, that's what David Bell can do. Absolutely. He can play a lot of different positions. He's uh, played for Bromit, Purdue, so he understands offense. He understands, uh, you know, leverage by the secondary guys and linebackers and he can run the option routes inside and the full, like I said, the full route tree outside. So yeah, I think he's, uh, I think he's a pretty, pretty solid pick for the third round for sure. Okay. Well, last topic here. And, and then I'll let you go. Nick Harris, 
obviously taking over at center this year, JC Treader is gone. Uh, you've done a lot of work on Nick Harris. Um, you just recently put up a post on Nick Harris. Tell us why you believe Nick Harris can be the guy long-term at center for the Browns. Well, the first thing you saw at camp was uh, his, he seems to be in control uh, of what he's seeing in terms of what fronts he's seeing, um, uh, the odd fronts, the even fronts, three-man fronts, four-man fronts. Uh, he seems to have a very good um, handle on that. The only thing that was uh, kind of a knock against him coming out of college is he's not real tall. He's just under six one. Um, I will say that from, you know, this is the first year of me being down at minicamp, but from what I saw in film last year, he looked bigger but he hasn't, he hasn't lost any of his, uh, his, uh, his ability to run and his quick feet, uh, which takes me what his strength is. His ability to move is really, really impressive. His feet are really, really good. Uh, and at center, he's got to be able to block back in their counter games. Uh, but what he does is he gives you kind of that, um, that ability to pull your center. Uh, if you watch him against Green Bay, he pulls on some counter game. He uh, gets out in front on screens. Um, he's got great lateral, uh, lateral movement and pass protection. Um, he does a really good job of gaining a little bit of depth in pass protection, which allows him to see if they're stunting or twisting or doing anything like that. Um, he's physical. He's got those two great guards uh, next to him to help him out. Um, and, you know, I just, I just think he, he plays with a, a great energy and a great, um, great awareness around him, which is my ultimate, if you ask me what I, what my favorite part of minicamp was, is, and everybody talks about the offense and the skill but the Browns offensive line and coach Callahan and all those guys down there, they're, they're absolutely their attention to detail from their hands to their feet, to where their hips are. Um, it is an absolute joy to watch. They are, they are as attention detailed as I've ever seen. And it's, it's really impressive to watch down there. So you have no doubt that he's going to do it right. Fundamentally, he's going to be right. Uh, he seems to have added some weight. So yeah, I think he's going to be really good. Yeah, yeah. Well, watching Bill Callahan coach is, is great. It's it's one of the fun things to do when, when you're out there. Um, that movement, though, that ability to move, having studied this scheme and studied studied what Kevin Stefanski does, uh, you know what this team does in the run game, even like you said in the screen game. I mean, just how vital is that that, that ability to get out in space as a center? Well, if you think about if you think about the Browns' base concept with Stefanski, has always been that inside outside zone. And you know, one of the drills that I posted was just the ability to if he if Nick is covered, if those guards are so good that they can cover him. He gives a quick shot, and he's able to get to that second level. And uh, linemen being able to block the second level are kind of what um, go from really good to great. And uh, in terms of consistently able to get um, off the double team and get to the second level. And then, like I said, his ability to pull. So you can pull him. So they run that, you know, the pin and pull schemes. And he can get out in front of those. Um, and that's impressive, his ability. So in the screen game, you watch him against Green Bay, just got in front of those screens. It was uh, just impressive. So that, for all linemen, it's, it's crucial, the ability to move your feet. And it's kind of overlooked people's size and things. But his ability to move is uh, really, really impressive. And for me, it's his most impressive thing, his ability to move. All right, so Nick Harris obviously going to be one of the one of the people we keep an eye on in camp and, and obviously early in the season to see how he adapts to uh, to being that starting center. And, you know, I've said it before, nobody knows him better than this organization. They've had him in the building for two years. Bill Callahan has been coaching him up for two years. So, uh, I mean, nobody knows him better than, you know, the Browns do. And look, you as a, as a former coach, you know, like you you see how, how these players operate in ways that other people don't. Correct. And... Like I said, I uh, I was down there for a good half hour when they were just uh, basically doing walkthroughs and doing group work with 
guards and center and everybody was, and it was their, their attention to detail and their, they coach everything. So they're coaching every step and where they place their hands and where they place, try to get their hips to. And um, they know, they know what they have in, in him and they know what they, uh, they potentially have in him. So they must feel confident in terms of moving on from a really good center. Um, but watching those guys work down there, it's just, they're all really good players, but their, their attention to detail and practice it was, it was super impressive. All right. Uh, that was great. Lance Reisland. Uh, give him a follow on Twitter. It's at Lance Reisland, R-E-I-S-L-A-N-D. Uh, a fellow Kent State grad, of course. So we had to Absolutely. have you on the podcast for no other Go reason flashes. than that. But yeah, exactly. Go flashes for no other reason than that. But of course, also for your great insight into all these draft picks and uh, and Nick Harris there, a little bonus at the end for everybody. So uh, uh, if you're not subscribed to this podcast already, uh, make sure you get subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And also make sure you check out Football Insider. Go to Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Get info, get signed up. And that's where you can see uh, a lot of Lance's work as well. Uh, Lance, I appreciate the time. Thank you so much for having me.